Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Disagree With Me or Don't. Man, we got a lot to get through this week. Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions have finally parted ways. We've been talking about that for a while. We'll get to that. We'll unpack that whole trade. We're going to get to the final picks in our NFL football playoff pool between myself, uh, Andy St. Clair, and Anthony Finelli. We're going to see who wins this thing. And on the anniversary of Kobe's death, we're going to cap the show off with a a really fun story that uh, comedian Brent Pella shared with us in Episode 9 when... He was working some basketball camps with Kobe directly, and Lil Bow Wow walked into the gym and challenged Kobe to a game of one-on-one. It's hilarious. But before we do all that, we're going to give a quick nod to some professional wrestling stories that's been going on, and if you've been following the Twitter feed, I'm going to help explain exactly what was going on in that little back and forth there to you. For all you people that uh, don't watch a lot of wrestling, maybe didn't know what was going on, I'll fill you in. So buckle up and let's do it. Yep! Yes. <laughs> I'm Mikey Wilson and this is DWMOD. Yeah. Michael Jordan is a baby and a liar. Down. Hut. 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 Isaiah Thomas deserved to be on the dream team and Jordan kept him off. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut, hut. Quinn and Patricia are in job-saving mode. They're going to get fired this year for it, and we're screwed. Again. Down. Now, Jim Harbaugh's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. He can't develop any of the four- and five-star guys he's brought in? I don't get it. Hut. They're not going to put sweet Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame? Please. Baseball writers of America. What a bunch of old white assholes. Ready? The greatest professional wrestler ever. The macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, because the cream of the crop will always rise to the top. Yeah. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I just want to start this uh, week off by saying thanks to everybody, man. Sincerely, sincerely, thank you. For the love you were giving us online, for the love you guys were giving the show, uh, thank you for listening and, and tuning in. And we went over 2,000 listeners, and that was great. You know, that's that's not, uh, you know, setting any kind of market records for a podcast and stuff, but that's great, man. The show is growing, and it's because of you guys. I mean, there's so many people that I haven't even seen or, or talked to in years, friends and family. It's a lot of a lot of people from the old neighborhood in Detroit tuning into the show. Um, you know, it's a lot of my friends from comedy and it's a lot of guys that I played ball with in college, people that I haven't seen in a long time, man. And thank you guys for sharing it with your friends and and pushing it along, man. And just dropping me a line to say, Hey man, nice job. Keep it going. I appreciate that, man. I really do. And it's gotten to a place where total strangers, people I know, I don't know when I'm logging onto my stuff are, are liking the show and following the show and, you know, nice job. And, you know, so that's awesome, man. It's humbling. I sincerely want to thank you all. I really do. And, and most of all, you know, we can track this thing uh, on our end of, of where, you know, our downloads are happening at. And there's quite a few downloads that are happening over in Germany. And the only thing I can figure on that is it's got to be some of our boys over there. It's got to be a military base. It's got to be a military base. And somebody that I know is over there or, I don't know how, man, but I'm, I'm guessing it's a military base, and I just want to thank you guys for listening over there, man. That's great. Um, you know, if it is you guys, please 
if you got access to, to Twitter on base or something, if you can get on there and DM me, please do. Please DM me and let know let me know where you're at, and uh, we want to send you out some stuff, man, some care packages, some boxes. Let us know what you might need because, you know, we always got you guys back, man, supporting the troops, and, and thank you, man. God bless you, and stay safe over there, fellas. Busy week in sports, man. A lot to get to. Uh, lots of good news out there this week, man. A lot of good things happening this week, but first, let's get the drama out of the way. Now, if you're following the Twitter account this week, you're probably like, what the hell was going on with that back-and-forth I won't even call it a Twitter war. It was pretty one-sided. But what was going on with that thing with this user, PhilNell3175, whatever, man. Um, I mean, you can tell by the name. If you click on this guy's uh, Twitter account, you can see this is a burner account. I mean, he's following zero people, and he's got one follower. It's a burner account. And, you know, from all my research and people that I've, I've talked to, it's well-believed that this is the burner account for – a uh, former wrestler, big-time uh, indie wrestler, Joey Ryan. I mean, it's it, a lot of people think this is the burner account for him. Now, if you know exactly who this guy is, bear with me. If you don't know who he is, you don't follow a lot of wrestling, uh, this guy was pretty big on the indie wrestling scene the last bunch of years. And ironically enough, uh, his, you know, every wrestler's got a move. His finishing move uh, was this thing where he would make his opponent in the ring uh, touch his dick. And I say it that way because that's what the whole crowd would scream. And this guy would do this in ring gimmick where he would force someone to, or get someone to inadvertently touch him on the dick. And then their hand would be frozen and they couldn't move. And then he would just swing his arms and his super dick would throw these guys across the ring and he would win the match. Um, I say ironically because He's been down and out for, I don't know, almost a year now because a ton of women came forward and accused this guy of being a sexual predator. I mean, some of it just for groping and disgusting behavior, some of it for rape. And a lot of women came forward and a lot of uh, guys that were wrestlers in the business I saw came forward to back these women up. So why is he trolling our account, you asked? Because um, some of these people that came forward were being attacked online, and we, we were sticking up for him. We know some of these people, we were sticking up for him. So the burner account decided to come after us. Now, the quick rundown on what this guy is uh, accused of, or what this guy's uh, done, is that he was a longtime sexual predator in the business. I mean, you can read these things for yourself, and, and a lot of the claims that are being thrown his way, that, you know, he would have promoters put him up with certain girls at shows and things like this. And, you know, I'm telling you exactly what you can find out on the Internet on this thing. And it was a lot of them. You can you can read stories of, uh, you know, some of the female wrestlers will be forced to pick him up at the airport and he's groping them and trying to kiss them in the car. These are things online you can just find them. They're all, uh, you know, in the accusations against him. And the reason they're public record more so than hearsay now is because this guy decided to file tens of millions of dollars in lawsuits against all these people that came forward, you know, in an effort to try to shut him up because he just got picked up by a pretty big wrestling company, Impact Wrestling's on TV and stuff. He had just gotten picked up by them, and then this whole thing broke, and they immediately fired him. Now, normally, especially in this day and age, one or two people come forward with some accusations. You might get put on hiatus. You might get put on a you know a temporary vacation or suspension or stuff. When you get immediately fired, 
there's a lot of smoke where the fire is. So he fired all these lawsuits to try and keep everybody quiet, but it didn't work. The more he did that, the more they kept coming out. And it blew up in his face. I mean, even his old tag team partner of years and years uh, made this statement on Twitter. She said, I'm mortified. Absolutely do not and never have condoned such horrible actions. I have zero tolerance for it. To the women he did this to, my heart breaks for you. I trusted this person. Reading the stories and learning how he acted sickens me, especially because you all trusted him too. I can't imagine how you feel. And it goes on and on. And this was his partner of a long time come forward and said all this. So he's been blackballed and shut down. So he filed these lawsuits just to try to drain people in court, force them to get attorneys, try to show up in court dates and things like this, try to get them to shut up or he's going to keep making them come to court, I guess, was his play. But so many of these things got dismissed so quickly. Recently here in California, another one of them was just thrown out. And you want to know the reason why it was thrown out? Because when it was Joey Ryan's turn to show up and present his evidence, he never even showed. He never even showed up. So the whole thing was thrown out. So you can see this is just to stretch things out. So this burner account, Phil, whatever, 7925, whatever, has been showing up everywhere defending the guy. And if you follow the tweets from this burner account, I mean, there's so many intimate details of this guy's life that are told by this um, this burner account that claims to just be a passing friend. Well, he knows a whole hell of a lot about everything that's going on with this guy, Joey Ryan. So recently took to Twitter and... Uh, threatened a friend of the show uh, with putting a target on their back and you better watch yourself, just things like this to try to quiet people down. And then if you were following some of the responses this guy was giving us when I put his whole story out there, I mean, he tried to come after us and came after us being real shitty and thought he was being real witty. And, you know, I let him know um, nobody's really interested in a witty, funny rapist, bud. So I put his whole story out there for everybody and posted everything. And, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to find out that some of the comments we got back and some of the defenses were typical. Like, I banged so many women on the road. Why would I need to rape any of them? I mean, that's the classic rape defense, right? I mean, that screams innocence. Then he claims that guys who are wrestling on TV right now for major companies, AEW, uh, that they're just making it up because they're professionally jealous of him. I, I don't know how that works. Somebody's wrestling professionally on tv right now and they're jealous of you hiding in your basement right now under all these accusations uh you know these women just wanted to be famous famous i'm on i'm on the show trying to explain to people who you are man you know Uh, i don't get it i mean he was trying to post these this this random uh article online that said you know he's reportedly won one of the cases and right in the article it states that uh you know quote it was later clarified that it had not been proven that the accuser was lying. She simply failed to respond to the lawsuit in time. So I guess there's this one victory. Somebody didn't get their notice in the mail. So that'll bring you up to speed as to what you were looking at and reading and probably going, what the hell's going on here? That's exactly what was going on. So the guy tried trolling us. So, you know, took him to school, let him know. You know, he's this guy's a complete douchebag. He's a sexual predator. He's a rapist. And... That, those are the accusations from many, many people. Then he started coming after me personally, so, you know, I let him have it. And before you know it, I mean, wouldn't you figure that a sexual predator will eventually, the tweets will stop with the excuses and they'll stop with the explanations and then they just turn into uh, him asking me how many dicks I can fit in my mouth. So you can see where the conversation goes back to when you're dealing with somebody like that. So that was the end of it. We told him, hey, man, we're done. 
shut him down. We don't let him post on the site anymore because when you're up 100 points, why keep playing? I don't need to keep going back and forth with this guy. I mean, when you're beating the shit out of somebody, you don't keep playing. They'll eventually hit a lucky shot, and then they think they won the game or something. And I guess these these Twitter trolls, you know, I guess they think they're winning when they get blocked. But, I mean, when you get embarrassed and then somebody just doesn't even want to play anymore, you didn't win, buddy. So this guy's a douchebag. Google it for yourself. Joey Ryan is a piece of trash. And that's what was going on with that. You can still find this guy's regular account, Joey Ryan, on Twitter. Uh, I don't. They gave him a blue check mark again. He canceled everything when this all happened, but he's back now. You can find him. Let him know what you think. But let's be done with that because we got a bit of uh, good news here. Uh, also has to do with some trolls. Uh, our next bit of news in professional wrestling is a former guest of the show from episode six, the Nuclear Heat episode. Ryan Nemeth just got picked up by AEW Wrestling. He's going. He was just on last week uh, on TNT prime time doing his thing and not only is he a friend of mine uh you know we do the flying chuck show at second city together if you guys have seen that it's a, a improv show at second city here in hollywood where we you know have a professional wrestler come out and do improv a lot of you've probably been to the shows you know fun show but he's just a good dude man he's just one of those guys he's from back in cleveland and he's just a good dude so congrats to him on the success and to see so many haters jumping on twitter and trying to tear this dude apart uh you know, pissed me off. For those of you that know him, he's a brother of Dolph Ziggler from WWE. He's a big-time wrestling star. You know who that guy is. And people were just trying to bash him for being an imitation of his brother, ripping off his brother. He only got the opportunity from his brother. And, you know, just a bunch of bullshit. It's annoying the amount of basement dwellers that, that will just try to tear people down you know, just so that they can feel like uh, they aren't getting any opportunities because other people are just being given opportunities, you know? Truth is, you're not getting any opportunities because you set your work schedule around Taco Bell and being home to hate on guys on Wednesday night wrestling. You know what I mean? Now, there's nothing wrong with working at Taco Bell, man, but there's no opportunity there until you start setting your schedule around doing something to give you an opportunity, like set your work schedule around, I don't know, um, your craft, your art, whatever you do, whatever you're trying to do in life. I don't know, maybe go to school or something. You know, but the point is, look, nobody's being given your opportunity. Okay. You're giving it away on your own. You got to work for it. You know, which is exactly what Ryan's done. He isn't getting any opportunities because he's copying off his brother. Yeah. They're brothers. It's called pedigree. He's getting opportunity because they have pedigree and that family to do this. I mean, if you listen to us talk on, on the episode, we did the guy's been working his ass off for years, man. OVW, NXT, TNA. I mean, he's done it all, man. Indie circuit like crazy. I mean, he didn't waste his time on, on Twitter complaining about other people getting an opportunity. I mean, dude paid his dues, man. There's a reason that he's got the respect of the industry, and it ain't because of his family tree, all right? And the online haters have no idea who this guy came up with and, and who he knows and, and what he's done to help a lot of these guys out, man. In the last year, there's been a couple real bad tragedies, man. Guys that he came up with and was tight with. Shad Gaspard passing away out here, you know, diving into the ocean and trying to save his son from drowning. Swim out there and try to save his son and got pulled under Riptide and, and he died, man, trying to save his son. And, and Ryan's out there hustling, trying to help his family and putting together fundraisers and getting these uh, T-shirts together where all the, the funds go to help Shad's family and stuff. And I'm going to put the link on the Twitter so you guys can get on there and get a shirt, man, and help him out because I had the opportunity to meet Shad a couple of times through our comedy shows and Ryan's indie wrestling and stuff, and you couldn't meet a nicer dude, man. The first time I met the guy, it, he told me to pull out my phone 
and opened up my Twitter account and followed the show. He, he, I mean, he just met me. You know what I mean? Like, then one of the nicest guys ever, man. And he's doing the same thing for John Huber's family, man. When when John Huber just passed away unexpectedly, like he did, and and he and Ryan were close. You know, if you saw us do the show in Detroit last year at the comedy festival, uh, John was the host for Flying Chuck for two episodes with us, and and. That's the kind of relationship he had with with guys like that. Like John's a busy dude, wrestling big time, holding the belt on TV, and he dropped what he had going on for the weekend to come and do some comedy shows with Ryan to help Ryan out, man. So that's respect, man. And, and Ryan, he's hustling, trying to give back and trying to help his family. And I got a link for you guys to to get T-shirts to help John's family too, because man, that guy just like Shad, he hung out with us all night for a couple of nights and and was one of the one of the nicest dudes you ever sit and talk with was a really well read dude intelligent man just a great guy and just the, but anyway my point is this is the kind of stuff that Ryan's doing and haters around the internet tearing him down cuz he dyed his hair blonde i mean like come on man fuck off you don't like his gimmick you don't like that he's out there showboating during the match cuz that's just what his brother does i mean that's what heels do dummy do you watch wrestling i mean and he had a great match had a great match, man. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. He's a great worker. He's a great worker in the ring, man. It was fun as hell to watch him. And congratulations to Ryan. And you know what, man? Haters going to hate. Haters are going to hate. And I'll tell you what. Haters are right about one thing. He was wrestling for AEW last week on TNT because of his DNA. But like I said, not because he's copying off anyone. Because of pedigree. It's pedigree, man. Both those guys are great wrestlers. And they know how to work, man. It's well-deserved, brother. Keep it up. Let the haters hate. Congratulations, Ryan. And keep doing your thing, man. And now we need to get down to business talking about this Matt Stafford trade. What is going on with the Lions, huh? I mean, we've been we've been on it for a while here. We've been talking about it for a minute. I mean, we were pushing for this move last year. We were pushing for this rebuild on the show last year, trading Matt last year. A lot of people told us we were nuts. Never going to happen. You're not getting first round picks for them. Uh, you're all wrong. you were all wrong. I mean, you were all dead wrong. And the one team that that we ultimately thought was the best fit and deal that was going to happen, and we were saying it on the show, was the same team. A lot of guys like Adam Schefter and, and Greeny, and a lot of people were coming out of the woodwork saying the Colts, the Colts, the Colts. And here's what we said last year before the draft in 2020. I think a lot of teams who think they could make a Super Bowl run like might have been open into listening to giving up some draft picks to do that. And yeah, it would be stupid for us because we'd have to eat that money. Well, guess what, guys? We're going to win four games any fucking way. So what's the point? What does it matter? You know, we're like a blind dog chasing our own tail every single year. Knock it off. Get the rebuild going. You don't think a team like the Colts was a team that thinks they're they think they're a Super Bowl team. But they don't have a quarterback. You don't think they would have been open to looking to make a trade for Matt Stafford instead of signing Phillip Rivers to a one-year deal for $25 million? I mean, when you could have Stafford locked up for 25, 24.6, 26 million for the next three years? You don't think they'd be open? And here's why I'm telling you they'd be open. Because they've got a ton of draft capital this year. They could move. And their $86.2 million cap space was perfect to try to do this kind of thing. This was a team I think you could have got on a phone and maybe got something done with. Well, as you know, that's not the deal that went down, is it? <laughs> it just wasn't the one that happened. And I'll tell you, we were breaking this thing down for multiple teams as soon as we heard that this, you know, they announced their their parting ways. We were like, oh man, 
okay, let's break this thing down. And we were ready to do a show based on where he might land other than Indy. And we were ready to go. And then boom, phone, bang, trade happened. He's going to L.A. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be honest with you, the Rams were one of the teams on our list that we were saying, uh, no way. Can people please log off their computers and knock it off with this nonsense? This is not going to happen. Uh, Stafford for golf, not happening. Didn't think it would happen. We were reading all kind of buzz from the Niners. We thought that Niners thing might happen, but then it came out that they were only offering a couple of second rounders. And come on, man, you ain't in the game at that price, bro. And then uh, Ben Standig, who covers the Washington football team for the Atlantic, he came out saying that the Redskins had offered us a lot more immediate help was the way that he put it. He, he said, you know, the, the deal was kind of similar, but it was a lot more immediate help. Now, I think that that meant a first-rounder this year, a first-rounder next year, but there was no other players involved, no other picks involved. But those were the top three teams we thought would get something done with the Lions and this Matt Stafford thing. And the only reason we're bringing that up is because we're going to circle back on those couple teams in a minute here. But let's talk about the deal. So the Lions moved Stafford to L.A. He's a Ram now. He's back with his buddy Clayton Kershaw out here in L.A. They're living it up. And the Rams become an instant Super Bowl contender. And they dump Goff's salary. You know, they take on Stafford's salary, which is basically about the same for him, but the deal was a little different with with, with Goff. But anyway, uh, great move for L.A. I mean, you got to win now. You got the best defense in the league. And, you know, the piece that everybody thought wasn't picking up its weight to go to the Super Bowl was quarterback. And now you got Matt Stafford. And there are a ton of haters in Detroit that really think he's the reason we haven't been winning, really think he's the reason why we were never any good in the last bunch of years. And to those people, I say you couldn't know less about football if you tried. I mean, it ain't that guy's fault. The Lions are an abysmal organization until now. Abysmal organization, and it ain't his fault. And, and also all the haters online coming out saying that this was Kelly Stafford. She pushed this. She pushed him to ask to leave, and this was all her fault. And they, they're hating on Kelly Stafford, man. To Kelly Stafford, I say, God bless you. God bless you for loving him that much because I, nobody could be happier than, than to see Stafford go than me. Because I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. And he was great in the city. All the charity work he did in the city. This guy was a pro up and down, on and off the field. I couldn't be happier for him to get an opportunity to go win a Super Bowl. And I hope he does. And I hope he does. Uh, So great deal for the Rams. Now on our side of it, we take on golf. But we get two first rounders and a third rounder. Right? So we don't get their first rounder this year. We get their first rounder next year 2022 and we get their first rounder 2023 but we get a third rounder from them this year now that's a great deal for us because as far as the money goes on the lion's end with the comparison to keeping Stafford for two more years till he's gone and off his deal or keeping golf two more years until we can let him go if we want to we'll get to that you know we're gonna pay golf 27.8 this year we'd have paid, we'd have paid staff for 30 We'd owed him that extra 10. We'd ended up paying him 30. So basically the same there. And next year, 2022, we're going to pay Goff 25.5. We'd have paid Stafford 23. We're basically in the same money at quarterback. And here's the kicker, though. If Goff doesn't work out, we could possibly cut him next year, but we'd eat 15.5 on the cap, and we're just not going to do that two years in a row. We're eating a little bit on on Matt this year. We're not going to eat 15.5 next year. But at the end of the 2022 season, if it doesn't work out with Goff, we can cut him at no loss. We can cut him and we don't owe him a penny. 
So the time frame is the same there. Two years, you're out of this thing, just like you were about to be with Stafford's contract. You're paying him about the same money, and you've got the possibility that maybe this guy comes here and, and works it out and figures it out. Now, that's an uphill battle with this roster. I mean, we're in, we're in rebuild mode, so I don't expect him to pull the team from the ashes by any means. But if he shows some promise and, and shows that he's doing well, maybe he's the future here. You know, maybe they keep him around. Or, worst case scenario, we cut him after 2022. But we get the two first rounders, and we get the third rounder this year. Now, that third rounder this year is ironic because that's the third round pick that was given to the Rams by the NFL for us hiring Brad Holmes to be the GM. Now, if you're unfamiliar with why all that went down, I'll fill you in really quickly. That's the NFL's new minority hiring incentive. Okay, you know, they used to rock the Rooney rule, which, you know, a lot of us thought, this is ridiculous, man. This is, it's insulting to minority coaches. You're just being brought in so that they can say they checked the box and interviewed one, and they didn't have to hire any. You know what I mean? And on the other hand, you're not going to impose some kind of sanctions where you have to hire uh, minorities because you have to have an open hiring process. This new minority incentive, this is how you create a uh, change in culture. This is extremely smart. This rule works like this. If your organization develops a coach that becomes a head coach, you know, you brought him up through your ranks. He's wide receiver coach, and then he's, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, and then gets a head coaching job somewhere, becomes a head coach somewhere you developed him, or Anybody from your front office that you bring in early as a college scout, what Holmes was for years with the Rams, college scout, then moved up within the office. Long story short, he becomes a GM and is hired by another team and you developed him. You get two third round compensatory picks back to back years. So they get one this year and they get one next year. So a little ironic that we hired the guy and gave them a third pick and then they gave it back to us in this deal. Just kind of funny. Now, I'll be honest with you. At first, when I first heard it, I thought, great. I love the picks. Two first-rounders, a third-rounder this year. Fine by me that they're put off to the next two years. That's great. I thought this is great on the picks. But then my first immediate reaction was, but why golf? I mean, what's the point of getting rid of Stafford and his money so we can tear down and rebuild, and then you bring in a guy that you're going to owe a little more money to? I, I just was – I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that aspect of it, you know? And he's already struggling out in L.A., and you're going to bring him here and march him out on the field with this roster that we got right now in the middle of a rebuild? That's not how a guy finds his confidence again. And then I tore into their contracts and looked at the deals here and stuff, and I thought, hey, this, this is fine. This is fine, you know? Because like I said, we can get out of it at the end of 2022, and it's no skin off our back, and we've added the picks. Um, that being said – I think he's going to be here and be the starter for the next two years because, you know, he reported that he talked to the dude, Dan Campbell. You know, he's the dude. That's what it says on the plaque outside his office in Allen Park. And Campbell apparently uh, promised golf that he's part of the plan here. He's part of the plan for the rebuild, and he will be a lion next year. Uh, this is not going to be some kind of double move thing. And I just got to tell you, from his press conference and how he comes across and what he's trying to build right now, with not only with that team, but with ownership and especially with the media and the fans of Detroit, the way that he's talking, I don't see this guy you know, coming with some double talk this fast after trying to gain everybody's trust on what he's trying to do with this team. I don't see him lying to golf. So I'm going to say I think he's going to be the starter for the next two years. That being said, we also had a little fun portion of of the show put together that was supposed to be crazy scenarios just for fun for a quick minute 
And it did involve us trading Stafford to another team for a couple of first rounders and getting their quarterback and then double dealing their quarterback to acquire more picks. Now, I'm not going to get into that because it didn't happen this way now, but this is a similar scenario here, and we were just kind of fooling around. But now, I mean, we are sitting on golf, and it would be great if we moved him for some picks right now. I'd do it in a heartbeat. If somebody wanted to pick up the phone right now and wanted Jared Goff because they thought they needed a guy to help them get on their playoff run next year, I'd listen to anything they have to say. And I'm not being naive to think we're going to get more number ones out of it. I know we're not getting that. But, I don't know, a couple number twos, uh, uh, you know, and throw a fifth rounder in or something. I'd be open to listen to that right now. And if Holmes pulled that off, he gets the GM of the year two weeks into the damn job. Now, the fact is, he's got a label on him right now, and a lot of the league thinks that he's damaged goods. I mean, Sean McVay don't say much about anybody. And when he started saying stuff at the end of the year, I mean, I'm out here in L.A. now, so I'm not just picking this up on the Internet. I'm hearing it on the radio out here. I hear Sean McVay every week give his press conferences and phone calls into the local radio station. That guy is pro to a pro. Everything is, it's my fault. I got to, the players got to be better. We got to hold them more accountable. You know, he never says we got to hold them more accountable. He's always saying, I got to be held more accountable. He never says a bad thing about a player ever. And toward the end of this season, everybody was open mouth gassed when at a press conference he said our quarterback's got to start making better decisions everybody went oh man something's going on in that quarterback room because mcveigh don't talk like that and you know it's fair to say i think the rest of the league may not be interested in this guy so we may be stuck with him anyway but what's wrong with you know taking a few phone calls on this thing because at the end of the day we're not going to win next year guys you know that if you can move golf you do it because we're in a rebuild right now. It's going to create cap space. You're going to acquire even more picks. And, and let's be honest, with golf, I mean, we're looking at being in the same boat as Stafford on the field, like that scenario of he's going to play well enough to give you the edge in a couple of games maybe, and then you're going to be in the realm of winning five or six games again and picking between seven and ten in the draft, in opposed to you know grabbing one of these other free agent quarterbacks and letting him play trade golf grab one of these other free agent guys and let him play and then we only win two or three and then we're picking between two and five in the draft and and that's where we're at man we're in a rebuild and here's some guys that are available you know on the cheap tyrod taylor andy dalton i mean fitzpatrick's going to be available but he's probably going to want some money and whoever falls out of the quarterback carousel when Watson lands somewhere else and maybe Darnold gets moved somewhere and and now that Stafford and Goff have swapped and all that, there's going to be a team left holding the bag that didn't get somebody and they probably might throw some money at Fitzpatrick. That could happen, so he's probably out. But there's A.J. McCarron. I mean, hell, Jameis Winston or Blake Bortles is out there. You drop them on the cheap for two years, we're rebuilding anyway. Let them play. I mean, maybe Kyle Allen or, you know, or what about, what about these other two guys that were – that were thought very highly of coming out in their draft, and they just have never been given a shot in the league due to purely due to circumstance. And and that's Joe Webb and Josh Rosen. I mean, Josh Rosen sitting around unrestricted free agent. This guy's never gotten an opportunity. You don't know what you got there. Okay. Now, I'm not some goofball saying these are the answers. I'm just saying these are some things that, I mean, if you can move golf for some picks, why not let one of these guys I just named start for the next two years? And in that second year, you're drafting a guy, you know, probably between two and five that's going to be your franchise quarterback after you've already stocked the team with all your other picks. I mean, it makes sense. It's not ridiculous. 
And if we don't move golf or we can't move golf, you know, I'm okay with that too. I mean, he's young, man, and talented. I mean, he could get it together. Sometimes this is just what a guy like him needs is a little chip on his shoulder, you know. And it's best-case scenario. He does figure it out and works out, and he's part of this move forward, and it works out really well. And, you know, worst-case scenario, we cut him. At the end of 2022, we cut him. So I'm fine with that. But just for a second here, let's circle back on those other three teams that I mentioned to you earlier that were in the market for Stafford. What if we were on the phone with one of these teams right now, right? The Colts, the Washington football team, or the 49ers? And let's start right there with the 49ers just to eliminate them because I think this is the team there's just no way that they're interested. I mean, you look at how they've played in the NFC West against each other in the last bunch of years, and they've owned golf. They've been the one team out West that has owned golf and beat the Rams regularly. So I think it's safe to say that they probably don't have a whole lot of confidence in the guy based on what they've been able to do uh, against him, right? And at the end of the day, that's also just a lateral move for them to go, uh, you know, away from Jimmy G and to get golf. You know, it, it costs them a little more money and it costs them some picks to move off of Jimmy G to go to golf. It's just not something that they're going to do, you know. But keep in mind, as far as Jimmy G is concerned, all his money's wrapped up in salary. If the Niners cut him this year, they're looking at a $2.8 million cap hit, that dead cap hit. That's nothing. So in my book, the 49ers have two choices on what they're going to do. Number one, you're going to roll with Jimmy G, and you're going to take your chances against Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and now Stafford uh, behind L.A.'s number one defense in the league. And when you put it like that, doesn't look promising against those three teams sticking with Jimmy G. So on to number two, which is what they ought to get over themselves and just do, pick up the phone right now because the price on Deshaun Watson is going up by the minute, especially based on the fact that Stafford drew first two, you know, two first rounders. His price is going through the roof by the minute. Niners, pick up the phone, give the Texans your next four number ones and just take Watson right now because that Frisco defense is legit. That's a Super Bowl contending defense. And if you add Watson to your team right now, for four number ones, I just do it. I would do it in a heartbeat, man. But the point is, uh, golf is not going to the 49ers. That ain't happening. Now, in order to get something together with the Washington football team, who was interested in talking with us already? They're going to have to hope that Alex Smith retires because as far as what I'm looking at and everything, they they owe Alex Smith a lot of money still, a lot of money still. Even if they cut him, they're going to be taking some hits on stuff. So he said he may retire. I think he probably will, and I think they know that is why they were chopping around to try to grab a guy like Stafford and give up some picks. So, I mean, get him on the phone. Get him on the phone, man. I'd take a second this year, a second next year, and I'd send Goff on his way. And that brings us back to our original suitor for Stafford, Indianapolis Colts. I mean, they are literally a quarterback away from making a Super Bowl run. And I know they don't think that they're in the Watson race because they ain't. Houston is not making a deal within their own division to send uh, Deshaun Watson to the Colts. That is not happening in a wet dream. I'm telling you that right now. So... Who else is out there for them? I mean, Fitzpatrick probably going to be the quarterback in Indianapolis next year? Very possible. But why not Jared Goff? This is a guy that took a team to a Super Bowl before. This is a guy that has shown if he has a good defense, he can manage games and win games for you. Now, this year he blew a couple, but this is a guy that's proved if you have the same setup that Indy has and you can run the football and you play good defense, which Indy does both, this guy could take you on a run. And Indianapolis has the cap space. Indianapolis has the picks to pull the trigger on something like that. 
right now. They could easily do that right now, and they'd be in a similar boat as us as if this doesn't work out with golf, they could cut him after 2022. I mean, I think if you get the Colts on the phone, you might be able to snag a two and a three, maybe throw a five in. I don't know. But get something. I mean, it's possible. It's very possible. But at the end of the day, I just don't think any of those teams value golf. I think he's kind of scorched earth in the league, and he's going to have to reinvent himself and prove himself. And I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, I just don't think he's going anywhere. It'd be great it would work out for us, but I don't think it's happening. He's here for two years, and that could be abysmal, or that could really work out to be some kind of rebirth that is amazing for us if we build this team right. Who knows, man? But at the end of the day, I'm calling that trade A+. For both teams, works for both teams. Congratulations to Stafford, man. I'm happy for him. Go chase that Super Bowl. And God, I hope the Rams win the Super Bowl next year because Stafford deserves it, what he's been through. And man, do I love Aaron Donald. He is one of my favorite players in the league right now. And real quick, I want to put it on the record and give a shout out to Graham Petty. Uh, he's a follower of the show. He tweets us all the time. He's been with us since day one, man. And right away when this trade went down, he tweeted out to the show and said, man, we're getting hard knocks for sure. I think he called it. I think he called it. We're giving Graham Petty the rights on that one. He said it first. Lions on hard knocks now. And if that happens, Graham, you get on a DM, send me a message, and remind me to send you out some swag. I'm going to send you something from the show because that's a good call. And now it's time to get to it. It's time to get to the final round of our NFL playoff pool challenge between myself and Andy St. Clair, and Anthony Finelli. Now, if you've been keeping track, we've been picking every week since Super Wildcard Weekend. Every single game, we pick the winner, we pick the winner against the spread, and then we make a choice on the over-under. One point if you pick the winner of the game, two points if you get the winner against the spread, three points if you beat the over-under. Now, speaking of winners, especially in the same breath as the Super Bowl's coming up next weekend, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind everybody how to enjoy themselves during a Super Bowl Sunday party. They start early, right? Your old lady, your friends, other people around the party, they probably want to get going with mimosas early in the morning. Well, you know what I'm going to say. Get down with the official beer of the DWMOD podcast, and that's Old English 800. Mix that with some orange juice. Throw those mimosas out. I'm telling you right now, enjoy a delicious brass monkey, Old English 800, and some orange juice. You'll thank me. You'll thank me because they're delicious. And while you're having that, don't forget to get the greatest potato chips on the planet. Oh, yeah. Better made chips. You better have some Detroit better made chips for your Super Bowl party. And for the kids, delicious Fagos. Oh, yeah. Detroit favorite and favorite all over the world. I'm out in L.A. out here and people love Fago. I hit the gas station. They got Fago. Get some Fago for the kids, too. So while you're enjoying that. One of us is going to be the winner of this contest. And right now, heading into the final game of the Super Bowl, Anthony Finelli, take it with a grain of salt, as he famously said on the first show with the picks, uh, he's at 35. DWMOD, that's me, Mike Wilson, I'm at 32. And Andy St. Clair is at 30. So it's still anybody's game, but Andy St. Clair is going to need to take a clean sweep all six points and have me and Anthony strike out on a Zippo which has happened during the contest already twice. So this thing could wind up tighter than your uncle at Christmas time. But before we do those picks, we would like to give congratulations to our listeners champion before the Super Bowl even happens. Jeff Pop is our listeners champion. Nobody could catch him in the Super Bowl. He's out front. He won. 
Get at me, Jeff. DM me. We got some stuff for you, brother. Thanks for playing. Listener's champion. All right. Let's start with the long shot. Andy St. Clair. He's bringing up the rear and third place right now, but is still in striking distance that can win this thing. Lay it out for us, Andy. What do you think is going down Super Bowl Sunday? Mahomes, Brady, Kelsey, Gronk, Hill, Mike Evans. Um, I got to win this thing, so I'm going to get this out of the way. And here's who I'm taking just right off the bat. And I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. So give me Chiefs minus three and a half. Give me the over at 56, 57 and a half, whatever. And give me the Chiefs to win. Not surprising. Uh, I just think, you know, here's the things to think about the game. I think the Chiefs are going to have to find a way to run the ball. They don't have to spend a lot of time on it. They just need to run a little bit. That Bucks defense is real good. So it, it's 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 firing on all cylinders right now. So that, that's, I think, how Tampa is going to have to try to stay in the game. Is like, right? They're going to need to, to keep it close for, obviously, the first half. They, they, they can't let the Chiefs get up on them early like they did in the regular season. You know, that first game when the Chiefs-Bucks played, the Chiefs got up big early and then just kind of hung on for a victory and they won 27-24. So the Bucks defense needs to keep them in the game. I think, you know, I think put some points up early, force Brady to throw a little more. You know, honestly, Brady wasn't very good in the second half of that Green Bay game. Uh, he just kind of hung on to survive. And I'm not even like, he, he threw three picks in that game. A couple of them were like punt picks, or basically they're just punts. I just don't know if Brady can do it for all four quarters. I get that's a home game for Tampa, uh, but I don't think that matters in the Super Bowl. I think there's just as many rich people in Kansas City buying tickets as there are in Tampa Bay. So I'm not buying it's a home home game for Tampa. I don't really care. Um, in the end, it's going to be too much Mahomes. Uh, so, you know, it's the GOAT, I guess, Brady versus Baby GOAT, Patrick Mahomes. Um, also, normally, if you're, if you're going to bet the over in these games, you know, here you could do some live betting. Just want to throw that out there. But generally, a lot of the games, I, I believe, in the Super Bowl, at least in the first quarter, start off a little slow. So you may get a, a live over. That's a, a good number. You want to check that out, too. That's just a, a thing. And also, if you're going to take Tampa and you're going to bet the Super Bowl, take them on the money line. All right? Tampa's probably not going to lose by three. They're going to lose by a lot, or they're going to lose by seven or ten. You know, or they're going to win. So just take them, take them on the money line if you're taking Tampa. But I'm going to take Mahomes, the Chiefs, three and a half, the over, go Chiefs. I got to agree with you on one thing, man. I don't think it matters that it's a home game either. That's an excellent point. It ain't like you can walk up and buy a ticket to the damn thing. And I don't think the warm weather is going to bother either one of those teams. You're dead on with that call, buddy. Now, Anthony Finelli, when we first started this contest, told us, I'm not good at picking these things, so take them all with a grain of salt, a really big grain of salt. Two weeks later, he looked like Biff from Back to the Future 2, like he had the little sports book and came back in the DeLorean, and he was nailing six-point games left and right. Anyway, you're in the lead now, buddy. You hold a good lead. How you plan on holding on to it? What are you going to give us? Well, as we go into Super Bowl week slash weekend, I'm sitting pretty at number one, somehow, some way. Um, no thanks to betting against the Kansas City Chiefs each weekend, but here I am. So going into this weekend and this Sunday's game, man, there's two quarterbacks you never bet against, and that's Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I have been betting against Patrick Mahomes the past two times he's played. However, this is my reasoning. I think the media is ruining him for me. He's the most likable person on planet Earth, especially in the NFL. He's phenomenal, but he's so overhyped in the media, it puts a, puts a sour taste in my mouth sometimes. 
right? I, I can't be the only one that's thinking this, right? I don't know. Anyways, and then you just can't bet against Tom Brady. You've seen it too many times. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Give me their three and a half points. I'm also going to get a, a golden boy to get his seventh Super Bowl with the victory this Sunday. And I'm going to take the over. So I don't know. Let's say Tampa Bay 33, Kansas City 29. 33 29. There it is. That's my Super Bowl <laughs> prediction. Take it for what it's worth. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Tampa Bay went out and got Tom Brady for one reason, to get him to the Super Bowl, and he did exactly that. And here he is, ready to take on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, league MVP, Super Bowl champion all by the time he's 23. And Andy, you were right. That Buccaneers defense is clicking on all cylinders right now, and earlier in the season they had a real close game with Kansas City after Kansas City pulled out to a big old lead. And it's not going to help the Chiefs that Big Fish 79 is out for the game. That's right, Eric Fisher is out and will not play in the Super Bowl. Now, I know he wears number 72, but his Twitter handle is Big Fish 79 because that's what number he wore up at Central Michigan. Fire up, Chips. Come on back next season, Big Fish, and be the man. But he's out for this one. Now, who is going to pick up Sue and the master of firecrackers, Pierre Paul? Going to be a tall order for that Kansas City Chiefs line. And fellow Chippewa on the other side of the ball for Tampa Bay, Sean Murphy Bunting has picked off a pass in just about every damn game in the playoffs and came up huge last week at Lambeau. The kid's hot. The kid's aggressive. He's a really good DB. On the offensive side of the ball, one more Chippewa. Antonio Brown is back for Tom Brady, and I do think that will make a difference. You can't just hone in on Mike Evans now and look for those jump balls when Antonio Brown's slashing across the field much like Hill does. Now, Hill does it a lot better, and let's talk about that. It is defies science the way that Hill pulls away from guys in the NFL. You shouldn't be that much faster than the fastest men on the planet. And Travis Kelsey has a way of turning invisible on the defense because it seems like no team ever knows where he's at and he's wide open all the time. I really think Kansas City's offense has a chance to explode against this Tampa Bay defense. And I just said Tampa Bay's defense was clicking on all cylinders, but I think that's what will hurt them. As stupid as it sounds, being overly aggressive against Patrick Mahomes is just the thing that he loves. He tears teams apart that are overly aggressive. And this Tampa Bay defense pins their ears back and they bring it. I just think that might open the door for Patrick Mahomes to go nuts in this one. Tampa Bay's best shot, if they can get Leonard Fournette going the way he did up at Lambeau last week, chunking and chunking and chunking the clock. I think Kansas City could be up big by the half and don't plan on hearing that cannon a whole lot. Now, they're going to go in at halftime, and Bruce Arians is going to put together a game plan, and they're going to come out and make a little run. They may make two little runs, but it's going to come in spurts. I think this one's going to be Chiefs big, and it's just like I told you last week when I was the only one that picked Tampa Bay. It was going to be Brady and Mahomes in the Super Bowl, passing of the torch, Brady passing it on to Mahomes so Mahomes can start running in his new dynasty. And I feel bad for Indomitian Sue because it's 0 for 2. He's one of my favorite players that ever played the game. I loved you in Detroit, buddy. I was with you in L.A. I wanted you to get that ring, but I just think the Chiefs are going to run away with this one. Raymond James Stadium throws its fans back flashes of the big sombrero and creamsicle dreams as the Buccaneers go down in flames to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a Mahomes improvement from the first time they met this season. Give me the Arrowheads 37, TB12ers 23. And that means I got the over. I want to thank you guys again, both of you, for doing this every week and coming on the show. It's been fun. Let's do it again. And hopefully these vaccines will roll out quicker than we expect to so we can get together and do it in person. 
Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. We're here. Super Bowl time. Hey, be safe. Take an Uber if you're drinking, stuff like that. Keep your distance. Don't get that COVID boy, man. And we'll take you out of here, as promised, with a hilarious story about Kobe Bryant from my buddy Brent Pella on episode nine of the DWMOD podcast. Enjoy. Hilarious. One, one, uh, one of the years I coached there, um, the, the camp had just ended and all the kids were walking back to the dorms to sleep with all the chaperones. And a couple of the coaches were just kind of hanging out, shooting baskets in the big gym. And Kobe was there just kind of hanging out with us and, and shooting the shit and talking. And out of nowhere, Lil Bow Wow and Jermaine <laughs> Dupree walk in. Lil Bow Wow and Jermaine Dupree. Did Jim Bow Wow play at Southern Cal or something for a minute? Or that, that was, was yeah. Lil Romeo. That was Lil Romeo. Yeah, okay. Okay. Master P's son. Yeah, Master P's yeah who was actually okay. pretty legit. I played against no, him No, he's pretty school. good. Yeah, he's really good. He's pretty good. Um, but Bow Wow came in and he was like, Hey, yo, Kobe. And Kobe was like, Oh, what's up, dude? And they, they like shook hands. They said, what's up? And Bow Wow like challenged him to play one-on-one. And Kobe was like, what? And then Jermaine Dupree took off his backpack and opened it up. And there was dude, like I've never seen a million dollars cash in person, (laughs) but this had to be at least half a million dollars in cash. It was the backpack was full of money. And they were gonna bet him on the game? They he bet him uh I think he bet him like five grand or something. You're walking or around with a backpack of money like that for. Dude, so Bow so Bow Wow bet Kobe. He said, put put a couple grand on it. And Kobe was like, Bro, you really want to play me one on one? All right, we'll play to eleven and you can start with ten. And so, dude, Bow Wow. Oh, dude, he started, did him like older brother. Dude, Bow Wow, Lil Bow Wow started oh, 10 no. to 0 up on Kobe. He started 10 to 0. Kobe was down. Kobe Bryant played the hardest defense I have ever I seen anyone play. He couldn't even play. dribble it. <laughs> Could dribble. He was talking shit. He's talking about his mom. He, he was like talking like mad shit and like cursing hard dude like saying words that you and i are not allowed to say bro like he was getting in his ass blocking shots oh man dunking on it was probably so awesome to watch oh my god we were dying and then of course kobe ended up beating him 11 to 10 of course and he took the couple thousand dollars and he turned to us and he said hey man just give this to all my people and he started handing out hundreds to all of us kobe gave me like 300 bucks oh nice yeah that's awesome and i bought some kobe's (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah it was That's wild, awesome. man. What's Jermaine Dupree doing walking around with a backpack of money like that Dude, for? That's a know. clown it's move. It's such a weird thing to do. <laughs> I mean, like, what? It's so strange. What, you it's, know, oh, it's just for you. <laughs>